Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Andre Popa from Badassery Factory. And if you want to be a badass at networking, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What is up, everyone? Today, we are talking with Andre Popa. Andre has an incredible, incredible story. He was an immigrant from Romania. His family escaped communism, but not before his dad was imprisoned and tortured for 14 years. So they ended up coming to the States, and Andre grew up hustling this and selling that until he finally got into the real estate game in his early 20s. Then he took the renovation and construction part of that to a whole new level by working on fixing up, I'm talking 30 million to 50 million to $80 million homes. I mean, this guy's seen poverty like most haven't, and seen success like most haven't, which make his story really unique, actually. Um, we talk about his father's time in Romanian prison. We talk about the project that he's most proud of, which may surprise you. And we talk about what he's up to right now. But before we get into that, you hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show. They're what I attribute a lot of my new relationships to. And if you're wondering what that might entail, shoot me a DM over on Instagram at Travis Chapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, and ask me about my mastermind so we can see if you might be a good fit for that. Can't wait to talk to you soon, but for now, enjoy my talk with Romanian Thunder, Mr. Andre Popa. Andre, what is up, man? Super, super stoked to have you on the show. Dude, you know, this is my launch into what you guys call podcast. It's my first yeah. one. It's yeah. Virgin, because I... <laughs> And thank you for having me on, man. Obviously, yeah, of course, man. I respect what you do, love your whole mission, and just to be a part of it is badass. Yeah, yeah happy to pop that cherry for you, my man. Hey, you're welcome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, let's go ahead and jump right in. I, I love when you scheduled your interview because my... So for those of you listening, when someone schedules an interview with me, it asks for all the information up front. That way I have it right in front of me for every show. And Andre, instead of putting in Andre Popa, for his name, he put in Romanian Thunder. So, which is a perfect lead in to asking you about kind of your story, Andre. Let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Uh, talk to us about your childhood. Talk to us about, about how you guys got over to the States, the whole immigrant story from the beginning. Yeah, wow. Okay, well, the story really goes back to my father. He, during the Second World War, was sort of uh, contracted or you know recruited, if you will, by the CIA to be coached and trained in espionage. 
And this was, it wasn't just my father, it was literally thousands of people from the different parts of the Eastern European bloc. So these kids were taken to Austria. They were, for, I think, 15, 16 months were trained on espionage, you know, hard winters, you know, all this stuff, because the CIA obviously wanted to infiltrate the governments of these uh, countries. So it got to a place where these kids were trained, they're done, they're good, but all of a sudden they don't need them anymore. So what does the CIA do? So they literally return them back like, hey, here, yeah, we, we want a refund. Don't need them anymore. Take them back. So obviously when you're now turned over for, you know, and you're being trained for espionage, you obviously get an automatic life sentence. So my father and all these kids, they're, you know, 18, 19, 20, they literally go into communist prison for life. And so my father and all these kids or young men literally got a, a life sentence. And the stories of what that life was about in prison, the tortures, the small amounts of food, they would basically get, you know, a piece of bread, a little cup of water. And sometimes when it was, you know, more of a good day, they would actually get beans. So they would get little bread, beans, water, and that was their life. And, you know, stories of, you know, they would remove the windows or the window coverings, if you will, in their cells during the winter. So Romania gets very, very cold. So all of a sudden it's snowing inside. You're, you're living in the exterior environment and these cells were all concrete. So you mix concrete with sub-zero weather, they hurt, they had a lot of pain. And then he told me a story about him and others that would go into solitary confinement. Solitary confinement was a cell that was the size of a human body. So you literally stand, you can't sit, you can't lie down, you piss in the cell. You don't get out. And all they would have is a little door that they would slide. And there was a little sort of like a little ledge. They would open up this door and they would place their little piece of bread and little cup of water and sometimes beans for them to eat. And you, they couldn't even raise their hands up. So they would literally go in with their mouth like animals and they would scoop up the bread or the water or the beans, whatever was in that, in that little tray. So you, you got those stories and, you know, they're rough because we live in America today, right? Right. You look at the perspective of what people like them went through to fight for freedom because he was obviously very anti-communist and he was standing for a cause. So to him, it was all 100% passion and sort of like laser focused blinders on. Anyway, so, so he goes in for life, gets the beat out of him almost daily, doesn't have a real tooth in his mouth. They would beat him with these rubber hoses. They would uh, strip him naked and just beat him with rubber hoses for sometimes, he said, hours at a time. Wow. Yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So what ended up happening? Like how obviously he's telling you these stories, he didn't end up there for life. So what ended up happening? How did he get out? And then how'd yeah. you guys get over here? 
Well, 14 years later, uh, President Nixon, knowing that the CIA had, you know, they were doing and all that fun stuff, they uh, made a deal with the certain governments, Romania being one of them, to release these guys. Most of them died, funny enough, in prison, but my father was one of the lucky few that survived, gets out at, after 14 years, meets my mom, starts having kids. And then in 1979, President Carter does the next level saying, hey, the same people that we screwed over, if you guys want to get out, come on out, you know, let them out. Mm -hmm. So that was a deal with the Romanian government. So what usually would take 25 to 50 years to get a visa to exit Romania, we had it in two months and we're freaking gone. Yeah. So that's the, you know, the coming to America concept. And what's, what's interesting is though, that to come to America, we needed a sponsor. We needed somebody in the States to say, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of them financially until they get up on their feet. And we didn't have anybody or we didn't know anybody in America. Mm -hmm. My father only knew one guy in Germany. So all this time, literally for the time that we knew we're leaving, we're going to Germany. Like I'm going to Germany, I'm going to learn German, I'm going to be a German citizen, all that fun stuff. Until literally two weeks before we leave Romania, we find someone in Southern California in a little town called Pico Rivera that says, yeah, we'll take them. And literally within two weeks, we land in Los Angeles. Sorry, no, we first go to Italy for two months for what asylum stuff they call it. And then we flew uh, Rome to New York, New York, Los Angeles. And that was the beginning of this beautiful freedom uh, journey. And how old were you at that point? I was nine. Okay, nine years old. So do you have a lot of memories of like growing up in in Romania or being over in in Europe? Or do you, is it mainly like starting here in the US? No, no, no. I remember Romania vividly. You know, Romania at the time was still communist. So us growing up in that, I don't want to call it culture, but growing up in communism, you know, my father was still an ex-political con, a prisoner. So we were followed everywhere. Our phones Mm. were tapped. We couldn't talk about certain things. And, you know, we'd go to the store with my dad and he'd say, okay, see over there, look over there. See the guy behind the corner, see the guy, well, you know, he's following us. He's doing this, he's doing that. And it's like, that's what I grew up in, right? right? But so that was that. It was just reality for us. The, we didn't know that it was bad or that we have something to complain about. So we, you know, we go to school and then we, this was the ritual. We would come home from school as kids and we would now go stand in line for food for the day. This is communism. So we go, you know, like Tuesdays, for example, was pork day. So we go get pork or bread or potatoes or beef. And yeah. that was the thing. So we go for a couple hours shopping, bring it back home. My mom, dad would get home from whatever time from work. They would start cooking. Meanwhile, we do homework, then eat. And then if we had time, we'd go outside and play with sticks or whatever toys we can create because toys were not necessarily available to us at that time. So it was what it was at the time. Everything was freaking amazing because I didn't have perspective. Looking yeah. back on it now, holy shnikes, because, you know, no, listen, because we're in America, man. I see, I see the reality of what the American life is where people don't have to go stand for food or hope that they get potatoes today or have bread or water to give their families. You know, as long as you're willing to fight in America and freaking get yours, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah. So I was having this conversation a couple of days ago with a guy named Bedros Koulian. He's the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp. We had like 650 franchises worldwide. And he's just starting off. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's very small. Uh, <laughs> but similar story. Uh, grew up, uh, I think it was in, it was in Russia, the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union. Mm. And his family escaped and dumpster diving when he was like six, seven years old. But he talked about something called the immigrant's edge that he believes that he has on a lot of people that were born here, grew up here. He called it an edge instead of like, he, like he looked at it like an advantage instead of a disadvantage. What are your thoughts on that? You know, a hundred percent right on. It's something obviously I, I love talking about. And it's part of a training series that I'm launching out there. And I'm creating a, a small video of exactly that perspective where it's like, hey, how to become badass in one, two, three. And I want something actually I can give to your audience. So anybody listening here, if you guys text uh, number 345345 and text the word I am badass, I would love to give you guys this video that explains the, the simple concept of how you can get exactly the immigrant's edge in three easy steps, how to become a freaking badass. So again, 345345, text the word badass, I am badass to that number and I'll uh, gladly give you guys access to this private video. Here's bottom line. You know, we land in America. I'm nine years old. I come from what I come from. And everybody, the kids of my age at the age of nine, 10, 11, they're, you know, video games. Atari was big back then. Baseball. There was nothing to do. It was just like we're floating through life, right? right? So I'm like, there's a problem here, right? But then now you start moving forward through the growing up process. And my hunger and my drive to succeed and to, you know, to start doing something 
with America, because to me, America was nothing but opportunity to this day. I attacked, you know, I mean, we came here and immediately we started with one uh, newspaper route, built it up to 14 newspaper routes, my brother and I. And yeah, we made pennies, but listen, but we would go get $1 for whatever you call it, the subscription. And it was a dollar per household at the time. And for us to go get a hamburger at this place on the corner for a dollar back then, holy shit, it was amazing. (laughs) But those are the emotional anchors, right? Like I can get a dollar, I can get a burger. And then, you know, you can do other stuff with the money. Starting to like understand the concept of capitalism and that there is something that exists outside of communism, right? Absolutely, man. And, you know, like you you mentioned dumpster diving, you know, that's how we, we literally started there because at the age of nine, uh, it was my parents and four kids that immigrated here and we didn't have any money. We didn't speak a word of English at all. So like what I'm doing today, this is just what I've learned since the age of nine. We literally started, we would go <laughs> behind supermarkets and we, we realized something that they're like, they actually throw food away. Yeah. <laughs> right? So we're coming from a place where like, we're standing in line two hours just to get bread and these guys are throwing the shit away. So <laughs> figured out that what they do is at, at 9 PM when, you know, whatever's expired or moldy, they throw it away. And we're like, Hmm, opportunity. So we would actually dumpster dive and we would pick out literally the expired stuff, the moldy stuff, take it home, wash it off. And it was freaking amazing. Yeah, we didn't have to stand in line. We used to be expected. We didn't right. have to stand in line. All we had, all we had to do is dumpster dive. But how many people today are willing to do that to fight for their families, to fight for their kids, and actually freaking put food on the table? So that's the quick perspective. It's like, where's your pain? Where are you coming from? And what are you willing to do, no matter what, to get yours, to get your thing that you mm-hmm. want? Right, right. So end up growing up here, go to school. What were you thinking like when you went into high school and started like getting up to college age? What were you wanting to do like with your life? Was there any like big dreams, aspirations, goals, ambitions, or what did that look like? Absolutely. You know, ever since you know, we came here, I, I, I started selling stuff immediately, avocados. Our dogs would have you know, a litter of 14 puppies, you know, where I'm in front of the supermarket selling freaking puppies. And it was just a constant thing that I, I just, I loved opportunity. I love to make the buck. I love to chase. I love the concept of being able to attract and create whatever I wanted. So by the time high school came around, my father became eventually an electrical contractor here. So we would go out in the field with him and after school and weekends and we're working and we're, you know, wiring houses. And through that, by the time I got to high school, I was able to, you know, start putting ads in the penny saver back then. I'm like, Hey, electrician, I'll hang your fan. I'll I'll put up a light bulb for you. And I I started my own little business and it, it was lucrative, you know? So then in high school, what happened was something really interesting because you're saying like, Hey, you know, Was there something, was there a passion or something? So in high school, by mistake, I'm going now into the 11th grade and I want, I want to be in mechanical, I want the mechanical class, like auto mechanics. So, but it was full. So they're like, yeah, you can't get in, but we'll put you in theater. So I like huffed and puffed for like three weeks and there was no way out. Yeah. That's kind of like the opposite. (laughs) Don't worry, man. Don't worry. There's an opening in theater. So we got you're going to be just fine. So I, I basically, I went from overalls to freaking tights. That's <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah. So now what happens is, you know, sometimes God, the universe sort of like pushes you or places you where you need to be. So now it turns out that I love freaking acting. And what happens now over the next two years in this high school, I start winning freaking best actor awards. I start taking all like California competitions and whooping people and taking best actor awards now, national competitions. And I start taking best actor award there as well. Then I get recruited by the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I went there for three years, graduated at, you know, acting and all the fun stuff that goes with it. So if, was there a passion? It, I tripped over a passion, but I loved it. Like you put me on stage, I'm home. And uh, that's why today public speaking and just being on stage and all that fun stuff is so second nature to yeah, me. Natural, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's in my DNA. So that was a journey. But through all of that, you know, I did that. I did a couple of films. I did a couple of commercials, made some really cool money. Nobody taught me what to do with the money. So I spent it, right? Because, well, my, nobody knew. My father didn't know. My mom didn't know. We're coming from communism. All we're looking to do is survive. How yeah. do we get that food out of the trash can, right? That was a mindset. So... Going through, you know, wrapped up the academy, did some cool stuff, but, you know, the money wasn't kicking in yet. And I'm like, all right, cool, this is good, but how do I make the money? So, you know, I sort of transferred into entrepreneurship automatically. And gosh, by the time I was 25, I I bought my first piece of real estate at the age of 25. I bought a restaurant in Hollywood, California at the age of 26. And it just started stacking from there. And I've had great successes, great losses. My best success to date is my wife and my two daughters. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys have an awesome family too. I love watching you guys when we hang out a little bit in person and stuff, man. So yeah, thank uh, you. Big congrats on that. Let's talk a little yeah. bit about where you went from there. So bought your first piece of property at 25. What business did you end up creating from that? Great, great question because real estate has always been the core of everything I've done. And now with my wife, everything we've done. So real estate, we'd love to flip, love to build, spec, flip, love that. As I started that world at 25, of course, I was always still in construction somewhat, but I realized that I can also now build for other people. So I'm like, hey, what if I can design? Because I have a really good design eye, so I can design architecture and interiors. So I started getting attention for that. And I'm, you know, people are like, hey, design my space. No, 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 me first. Eventually, I thought, hey, cool, so I can design it. But what if now I can build it? And got my contractor's license. And that sort of became a pretty large business for, for me, for us, attracted celebrities and people of high net worth. And it was always word of mouth. But that seems to be like the long staple of the income. Yeah, yeah. As we did that as a you know, big chunk of business, we always had other stuff going on especially after the recession, like 2009, 2010, when like the hammer came down. No fun, not recommended for anyone. <laughs> we were literally leveraged in real estate so deep that it just like, poof, you know, it just all like uh, disappeared. So more so since then, we, we will never be in leveraged in just one anything ever again. You know, the concept of having... Diversification. All one, yeah, all eggs in one basket. I'm like, no, 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 screw that. Get more baskets, spread it out. So that's what we're really focused on now is, yes, the real estate always will be there, but we're focused on a lot of other income sources. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about a couple of your favorite projects that you worked on. I know that you had, like, give me a little bit of detail, like just so somebody listening gets a little bit of context as far as like where these projects were, how much they were costing, like what the size of these houses, like different things, different designs and builds that you guys did. I'll start with the biggest one, which was in Malibu. I can't give names because I just can't. But so this home, we went in and uh, completely remodeled it. It was a 24,000 square foot home with a 3,000 square foot guest house with two 2,500 square foot apartments and tennis court, pool, you know, you can maybe whatever, you know, long driveway, but it's literally sitting on the edge of a cliff and then you have ocean. Yeah. It was Tony Stark, wasn't it? Tony Stark. Good one. So, so really phenomenal, just, you know, piece of land that you just don't find anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we get done with this thing and it sells for right under $80 million. It went for cash. That was exciting. That was exciting because it's a different level because here's bottom line for anybody, for any one of us to drop $80 million cash on anything, what is that level of wealth? Right. So that for me is just so exciting. And then from there, the uh, probably the most other that actually would look like a Tony Stark house, Beverly Hills, California, of course. This thing sold, I think, right, uh, right under $20 million. But what a house, man. So the whole thing was, it looks like a watch movement. So you got circles throughout and curvature and walls. And there's a sunken fire pit inside the pool. Like you got to take a bridge to get there. You know, <laughs> Really, really out there, very almost like futuristic, but really yeah. designed and built. So those are probably my couple of favorites just because they're on the badass level. Right, right. Is it weird kind of like coming from this this communist background where like like what you're saying, you literally standing in line to get food, you come over here, you're diving in dumpsters to get groceries that week and stuff like that. And then because I feel like a lot of people, even if they make it out of that, they, they never see the other end of society, right? So you've literally seen like, the poorest of the poor dads in prison type, you know, economy. But then you've also seen like the ritziest, richest, crazy builds, designs, like living like a king in luxury in Malibu, Beverly Hills. Can you talk to me about that contrast? (laughs) It's surreal, but it's not difficult. And the whole concept of what we're building now, the what you and I talked about, badassery factory, it's literally exactly that because it's not a difficult thing to do. It's a mindset. So that's what I had to learn years, years ago, uh, you know, because of my upbringing, my father was very, very harsh because of his own pain. So he was very harsh with the kids, more me than anybody else for whatever reason. So I had to sort of uh, psychoanalyze myself and break out of that by understanding that there's better out there. So I started self-developing very early on. I was 17 when I bought my first Zig Ziglar book just Mm -hmm. because sales interested me, but it was also, you know, becoming a badass at something else. 
So the contrast has to do with what you believe. And, you know, this goes into so many different levels because what we believe are our stories that we decide to tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. So you can tell me I'm an asshole and I can just tell you, okay, cool. That's your opinion. It has nothing to do with me. But if I take that on and I build a story around it and all of a sudden I'm an asshole because I choose to believe in it. So point is, it's a matter of knowing that there's more, knowing that everything is possible, anything is possible, whatever I believe I can do, I can achieve, right? So you got all the books out there that talk about this. I'm not, you know, the guru to teach anybody about this, but it's out there. So Badass Refactory as, as a concept you know, we, we came up with it because what we want to do is to be able to take any human being, put them through the factory and they come out a badass. Mm. And it has to do with a lot of, you know, just shifting this, getting rid of the old habits by replacing them with new habits, new thoughts, new belief patterns, etc. So perspective is very, very important. And just believing in the fact that everything's possible, because listen, what is material and what is money? It's energy. So am I, and so are my thoughts. Yeah. So if we can align, right? If we can align all those things, then we're now connected. Then I right. attract those into my life. So that's the simple version of it. Yeah. Yeah. So coming out of the real estate crash, the economic crash that happened. And then I know that recently you guys were just basically doing a lot of these construction projects still. Obviously your resume is really good. You have people reaching out. You have word of mouth going here, going there. But then uh, recently you said yeah. you, you were just like, man, I, I'm just getting bogged down with some of this stuff. So we're going to just start traveling, right? Like what was that whole decision-making process for you? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was simple. We just, we're going to go travel. One of our big, big passions, especially my wife, Tammy, since we met almost 19 years ago, we're just big on travel. We love adventure. We love just to go wake up somewhere else in the world and just, you know, experience culture and people and food. Love food. Love food. Yes. What? That's part about travel right there, man. Oh. Local cuisine. <laughs> That's right. And then, you know, early on, we decided that we're going to homeschool our girls because big, big reason was that we want the freedom. Like we don't want society to tell us when we can go travel. So we like, you know, we homeschooled for that purpose and other very important reasons for us. But travel's just always been the thing that we love to do. It's a passion, literally a passion. You know, like our girls, instead of being in history class, we just like took them to freaking Rome and showed them the 2000 year old freaking building. And then, you know, we learn about it. And then you sit next door and have some pasta with some, you know, whatever. That's education. Hmm. They get to meet people. They learn how to say thank you in that language and they pick up a few things. And so travel for us has just always been the core and we want to do more and more of it. The recent thing that you were talking about where we're like, hey, done with construction, out of it, not for us any longer. That happened about a year ago. And we simply just got to a place of, hey, are we having fun? And that's, again, going back to the badass refactory, that's another big portion of what we're going to shift inside of people. If it's not fun, you have to stop. Yeah. And that's such a big deal, man. People just keep going. And that's where we found ourselves keeping on going on this journey that was miserable, that was just not fun to wake up to, not fun to go to the meetings, not fun. Yeah, we created some beautiful stuff. Yeah. But when it's not fun, it's misery. Was it something that was fun before? And then just after doing so much of it, just became like, man, this is just becoming more of a drudge than it is like something that I enjoy. Yeah, that's a great question because I think we justify income. Hmm. We get excited. Well, man, this is making this kind of money. Right. I would have to be stupid to walk away from that, right? Yeah. And so we found ourselves making these decisions. Like, of course, we're going to take on that other project, you know, because it's going to make this much money and that's Mm -hmm. going to afford to do blah, 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 blah. But we got to the place where it's like, hey, we cannot justify that income any longer. We have to justify it. Yeah, because, you know, if I come home and I'm stressed and I've had a miserable day and I'm snappy with my daughters and my wife, I just lost. Yeah. What's that worth? Everything. So that's it. So we literally, I had to walk and it's funny because it took an extra year because we actually made the decision a year before that. And for some reason, after we made the decision the first time I came back into the world and I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to go bigger. And I think I was going to go bigger to sell it, but I don't know what happened anyway. So we just a year ago just said, you know what? Enough is enough. We stopped taking on clients. We wrapped shit up and moving on up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious to hear your perspective on this because this is something that I feel like is a conversation a lot of people have, but most people haven't experienced both ends of it. So when you're first doing some of that stuff and you're taking on projects because, well, it's the money and you know we can make this much money and it would be dumb not to say yes to this. Do you think that there's a season for that? Like there's a season for just like, you know, it's time to put my head down. It's time to grind. It's time to work. Like I may not be having like a lot of fun doing this, but like, you know, I got to do what I got to do right now. 
with the intent of stopping in the future? Or is it just like, hey, if you're not having fun doing what you're doing, then stop doing what you're doing and do something different? So the faster you stop doing what you're doing, the faster you're going to get the results that you truly want. You know, I think we all, the human dynamic, we get stuck in patterns and we justify. You know, people get stuck in whether it's, it's a job or that business or even relationships. They get stuck there because we become complacent, we become comfortable, it's cozy, and we fear change. And we justify it. No, 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 I'm just, you know, because uh, you know, if I do that thing, then no, 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 it's going to do that. So I'm, I'm okay here. So we keep talking ourselves back into this habit of being this thing. And then the ego kicks in and the ego's a mother, you know what, yeah. uh, right? Because it just constantly lies to us. Its job is to create chaos and right. God is good at creating chaos. So being able to, to shift quick is the key. And here's what happens. Because you look at the universe, you look at opportunities, God, whatever everybody believes, but here's what happens. As long as I'm in my box and I'm doing the same thing every single day and I'm, I'm closed off, then opportunities are not showing themselves. God's not hooking me up. The universe is not sending my way because guess what? I'm not open. But as soon as you say, you know what? When you make a decision, at least I'm going to change something. I have to become better. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to treat my wife better. I'm going to become more positive. I'm going to become a badass. I'm going to, you know, start a business. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to get a better, you know, as soon as you make a decision, what happens is this, because it's all energy. And once we understand that everything's energy and I make a decision that I'm going to make a million dollars a month, then what happens is the universe automatically conspires to bring me that. As long as I stay focused on this, and my thoughts go into the direction of a million dollars a month, million a month, million a month. And what happens automatically, all of that is coming to me automatically. Yeah. I, I have to take the first step Got in it. order for that to be delivered to me. Got it. Got it. Because otherwise, how many times would you have had a million dollars drop on your lap? Yeah, I haven't had it happen yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of waiting for it to fall from the sky. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Is that a bad approach? I don't know. No, no, no. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you decide a year ago, like, hey, we're stopping this. No more. We're going to do what we want to do type thing. Yes. So now the badassery factory is that thing that you've been spending a lot of time on, putting a lot of energy into. Talk to us about that. Like, What is it exactly? How do we become a part of it? Or what is it actually going to do to help us get better? Love the question. Badassery factory came up as a concept of where we can help a lot of people. So the best analogy is, you know, if you look at it as a, at us as a human robot or, you know, a mechanical being, we just thought, hey man, if we, because all we really have to do is just shift a few things inside the human to be able to put them on their right track or better track or just to create what's called a shift. And the factory was exactly that. It's like, where do you make cars? In a factory. Where do you make tanks? In a factory. Where do you create, you know, freaking fighter jets? In a factory. So that came about literally from that perspective of, hey, let's take a human being, put them to the factory. They come out a badass. We just all won, right? It's all positive. So it came up from that perspective. And we want to train people on literally how to be a badass, how to become a badass, how to stay a badass, how to become a bigger badass. It's just... Opportunity for us, especially in America, and then you know my my big thing is as we already covered, I'm from Romania, but the big deal is, man, we're in America. You can do anything you want, and if you need perspective for a minute, go travel, get out, go to the Middle East, go to countries where people cannot be entrepreneurs or people cannot create, where you don't have access to tools, but we live in America and everything's possible. So, so we want to take people and say, hey, we're going to shake you up a tad, we're going to kick some ass, mm. but we're going to come out freaking amazing. So in all of that, so again, like some of the videos and trainings that we're, we're building are just really, really powerful. The one I created for you guys for your podcast is literally becoming a badass in one, two, three. Yeah. The concept of it's as easy as one, two, three, but I'm just going to give people like literally like one, two, three little steps of exactly boom, you know, here's what you can do every single day to just change. Right. So again, text to the number three, four, five, three, four, five. I am badass and we'll send you guys some really cool stuff. So Badass Refactory as the main umbrella is going to hold a few subsidiary conglomerates, if you will. So we're launching some really cool stuff. We love to celebrate, right? So we love to, you know, party and travel and we love great food and high-end everything. And one of our biggest sort of like core items that we've always used in launching businesses has been tequila. And over the years, we kept saying, man, one day we just got to launch our own tequila brand, tequila brand, tequila brand. Anyway, so now that's coming. 
I'm not giving any dates yet, but it's coming. So we got a tequila brand coming. And then whenever we celebrate a big win, we always use champagne. So of course, we have a champagne brand launching as well. So yeah, just literally we're having fun. So training platforms, there will be some coaching there where I will coach certain very, very, very specific people, right? And so I'll do some of my time will go into that. Training platforms, coaching, and a travel blog that's called The Badass Family. That's coming out. That's going to be really, really powerful. So yeah, that'll be really cool. And all kinds of other fun stuff. But that's sort of like to give you a, you know, quick brain dump. It's all sort of around that. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Looking forward to that travel blog for sure. And then a uh, podcast or... What? <laughs> I don't see now you're fishing for information. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Well, so, <laughs> so I've been asked and told, hey, when are you starting or, you know, you just need to do it. So yeah, that's obviously going to be there. Like, you know, it's on September 13th. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to be a guest on John Spencer Ellis's uh, entrepreneur TV show. So that's going to be really, really cool. You know, so I'm doing stuff like that. Great honor to be there. Like it's an honor to be here with you today. And then I'm one of four trainers in New York on November 4th and 5th at a Steve Sims event. Awesome. So that's really, really cool. So yeah, Steve's the man. Steve's a pretty badass, and one of the other speakers, Ari Mizell, who's just a, the master at freaking automation. So doing some cool stuff. Podcast, obviously, is it's a part of it. You know what shows we're going to do around it all. The next ninety to you know one hundred and eighty days are really, really phenomenal with so mm-hmm. much cool stuff happening. I don't know if I've ever been more excited. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's the whole reason, right? Like I stopped doing construction because wasn't having fun anymore. And then now you're having fun all the time and you've never been more excited. Like it sounds like a pretty good trade-off, right? You know, that's exactly it. But that is the key to having fun. If it's not fun, if what you're doing is not fun, literally stop. Yeah. Just stop. And I'm not telling people quit your job today. If you can, please do so. If you can't... Be practical. Yeah, be practical. Listen, life goes in the direction of our thoughts. So if your thoughts are in the place of, oh, I don't have enough, job sucks, life sucks, I'm not having fun, you're going to get more of that. But as soon as you can shift the thoughts into the things that you want, the things that you're dreaming for, well, life goes in the direction of our thoughts. So if if you can start shifting 10% of your thoughts per day into what you want, well, you're now going to start moving into that direction. And what does the universe do? starts delivering those things to you. So anyway, so it's really, really beautiful. So yeah, we're having fun. One of our latest businesses that's just blowing up is uh, CBD. Been into CBD for about three years as far as using it in our family. My father's had great results with some cancer stuff. I have a brother that's epileptic that now is off pills and so many stories and always been into CBD. Wanted to now, as we saw the industry blow up on a literally daily basis, we're like, how do we get involved? Like, so we thought, hey, let's buy land. We'll, you know, farm, you know, make our oils and products, et cetera. But it's like, you got to drop a few mil and then you need about two years to be able to do all that to maybe turn a profit you know, you're 30 or whatever. Anyway, so we decided not to do all that. We just found a system and a company that we just stepped into and we're just blowing up in the CBD space and we're having about fun. And that's what triggered my brain. It's one of the most fun things we've ever done. And life is just amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So let's kind of shift the conversation a little bit here and talk about networking because I mean, this is the Build Network podcast. So we always have to talk a little bit about how you've gone about creating some of the relationships that you have. And obviously you're a master at it or you wouldn't be able to land these, you know, million multi-multi-million dollar projects with your construction business. Um, You and I wouldn't know each other if we didn't both personally invest money into on-purpose networking in the form of a mastermind. So I I know that it's something that you believe in. I know that's something that you're really good at. So I kind of want to talk about this for a few minutes before we say goodbye. So first question I always ask everybody to get this conversation headed in the right direction is, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? I think that's a beautiful question. I think the answer depends on the person. And I'll tell you why. There are people that are, I'm very boof out there, high energy, I'm in your face, and I'm going to talk to you, right? Mm -hmm. But there are the people that don't have that sort of innate ability to just pop in a room and, yo, I'm here, right? Romanian thunder. So I think for me, because I have that, it's who I know. Of course, it's important to know what I know, but who I know, we can create together certain magic. But then you have the person that does not want to walk into a room and blow up. They're going to be sitting in a corner. So what they know is going to be a lot more powerful because that quiet person can kick my ass online, right? But I can kick their ass here in person. Right. 
Right. So he needs to learn my skills and I need to learn his skills. Yeah. yeah. It, it might put them into a room that allows them to get to know more people because <clears> they really yeah. get something. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, listen, I think it's both. It's what you know and it's who you know. And I think for different people, the, the scales are going to be different. You know, like for me, yeah. it, the, who I know is going to be a lot higher. And what I know, I could give a shit because I can hire somebody to get that done for me. Yeah, exactly. Just like the story of Henry Ford when he was being sued and, and Think and Grow Rich. And if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, then you definitely, I mean, you got to read it. Yeah, there's a, no, I'm talking to anybody listening. Oh, gosh. Anybody listening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I've read that over a hundred times, bro. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Everybody's, I mean, you got to read the book if you haven't, but there's just the story in there of Henry Ford and that he's suing someone for libel because they're just basically saying like, you have no right to do the things that you're doing. You have no expertise. You're not educated and all this other stuff. And then basically it comes down to the fact that Henry Ford's like, why would I take up all this space in my brain for all these other things that I'm not already good at? When I, at the press of a button, I can have somebody else come in that knows it better than anybody else in the world. Why would I do that? <laughs> so yeah, the who thing is always going to be important. You have to, of course, be competent, right? Like you can't just be like a numbskull walking around and causing problems for people. You have to at least be competent and you have to know what you're doing and you have to be able to make a conversation and add value and stuff like that. But in the end, it's having that network and people around you, that support system around you, that's going to get you to a lot of the places that you can then capitalize with on the what. So talk to us about a couple like tactical, practical things that you've done personally, Andre, to like grow <clears throat> your network, expand your network and increase your inner circle. Well, number one, always, always, always self-develop. I mean, I literally self-develop every day. You, you mentioned one of the best books in the world. That book, funny enough, comes from The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, which is something that I learned much later in life. So now I'm like devouring that book, uh, Science of Getting Rich. And then Wallace Waddles has some other books of, about money and just mindset and all that fun stuff. So number one, self-develop. It's, it's just literally, it's the core of, of who I am, right? Mm -hmm. So who am I that's going to approach you to talk to you? Am I confident? Am I a badass? Am I insecure? Am I going to mumble? Am I going to use the, you know, um, 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 that's not attractive. It's not sexy. So listen, posture, confidence, just being a freaking badass. That's what it's about. So when, and it's funny because another big reason of, of launching Badass Remastery is to be able to take these kids coming up today in the world. The, there's some manhood issues coming up in the next five to 10 years, man, I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So I think we got to find a way to, to be able to get out there to these young kids and, and teach them some badassery and some ways of, of being men and having posture. So connection comes from number one, who you are. And number two, and this is the big one. If that wasn't the big, big one, this is the big one. <laughs> and here's what I see a lot, man. When people look to connect with others, it's all about them. You know, what can I get from Travis? What yeah. can I get from Steve Sims and, you know, John Spencer? You know, what's in it for me? And it's like, man, that's just the wrong freaking direction. When you learn to create value for others, magic happens. So that's, that's always been my thing. It's, I give. I'm a, I'm a giver. I love to receive. Don't get me wrong. But I yeah. give first. I make my presence known by just being me, confident, badass, giver. Yeah. You got to create value. Create value. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love your first step though. That's one that, uh, that we don't hear a lot on the show. And I'm really happy that you brought that up because you're right. And that's the biggest thing for me is that's why I talk about competence, right? Instead of like, you don't have to be the number one Facebook ads expert in the world to be able to add value to somebody else. But if you're a person that lacks confidence and you're really shaky and you don't know how to communicate with people and you do the whole like, oh, I just really want to take a picture with you like you're a celebrity type thing, then like you're automatically positioning and posturing yourself to be at a different level than the person that you're trying to communicate with. And that's always going to be perceived by that other person. Like people are smart, people are intuitive. They can pick up on how you feel about yourself and how you look at yourself. And so I love that you brought that up because self-development, personal development, that is such a huge component to allowing yourself to not only get to the next level, but connect with people that are on the next level. I think that it's very, very important to start there and then start looking at, okay, now how can I add value? right? So how can I now come into the conversation, bring something to the table that will help other people, regardless of what it is or how small it may be, something that will allow you to stick out and actually communicate with these people. Someone like a Steve Sims, who's 
you know, built an incredible business and has connections all over the world. And now you have a relationship, a connection with him. You're speaking yeah. at an event that he's putting on, right? I'm sure it didn't start with Steve, like just running up to you and being like, Andre, I really want you to speak. It'll probably start with like a, Hey, what's up? I'm Andre. And then you add some value. You guys build some sort of relationship, a connection. He goes, Oh man, this dude's a badass. I need to have him speak at my event. Right? Like it's not the other way around and people get it confused way too often. Yeah. That, all phenomenal points. If you just go back to taking your life in a direction where you're making it about other people, you know, Jim Rohn said it the best where it's like, hey, if you want to make a million bucks, you just help a lot of people make a million bucks and you automatically make yours. So that's like the foundation of the principle. Make everything you do about other people. How can you help these people? What value are you bringing to the table? Because listen, as soon as I give you whatever it is, my time, my help, my advice, well, guess what? I just, that could change your life. I just right. need something that can shift your shit, right? Mm-hmm then all of a sudden we're, there's a relationship, there's a bond that happens automatically. So like Steve Sims and I, you know, he's a machine and you know him. The other thing that we're doing in New York, that day of the training, we're also doing a uh, Sir Elton John event that night. It's a black dye foundation gala, really, really high end, obviously from Elton John to all the celebrities and freaking millionaires and billionaires. And I guess Bloomberg was there last year and Giuliani and, you know, it's just big, big names. So, so we get to play at that level because Steve Sims has the connection. So now I connection is my connection to Steve Sims and I automatically get that connection. So we get to party at different levels and we're taking certain people with us. And, uh, you know, so we get to do some cool because of who, you know, but create value first. Because if I would have gone to Steve Sims and looked to get something out of him, get a connection out of him, use him for something, we wouldn't be here today. It doesn't. Right. Right. I love so much of that, bro. I mean, we've talked, covered a lot of stuff today and I would like to do more of it, but we're running out of time. So let's go ahead and move on to the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. Ready? Yep. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Race car driver, specifically in the hypersport circuit Lamborghini. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I'm going to say Jesus because I want the truth. I think we're lied to today. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Audio, just because I'm on the go. So I'm either in the car, at the gym, somewhere. So I have, they're always in my ear. Yeah. Tell me one of your favorites that you've listened to recently, audiobook or a podcast, something that you've been listening to. What I'm devouring literally for the last month is The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I wake up, do my uh, certain things that I take as far as nutrition, some B12, some testosterone. I take vitamin D. I'm giving you the list, bro. You asked. I'm yeah, giving do it, man. Vitamin D. Uh, I said B12. So I got five. I take hemp oil, CBD every single morning and every single night. So that's part of my routine. Then I have a cup of coffee. Then I go to the gym. And I knock that out. I'm on a way of reaching a, a weight, phenomenal weight of 205 pounds coming up real soon here in about 34 days. And uh, yeah, 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 flex that muscle. <laughs> That's my morning routine. And then meanwhile, as I'm doing all this, I'm pounding myself with self-development. So currently, again, it's the science of getting rich and that sets up my day for success. What is your go-to pump-up song? Black Eyed Peas. Let's get it started. What is something that you were just not very good at, man? So many things. Like you just, <laughs> oh my God. I suck at so much. <laughs> I think we have to record another hour. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a separate episode. That'll be Andre yeah. Popa part two. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Gosh, like the number one thing that I suck at, I'm going to go for details in accounting. Like I, I have to have an accountant and a bookkeeper because I wouldn't, so if I had to do that, it would be, there would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> would be a problem. yeah. All right, man, as we get everything wrapped up here, what's one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? Obviously all the social platforms, you're going to find me under Andre Popa and of course, Badassery Factory on all the social platforms, badasserifactory.com will be launched here. Uh, should be ready by the time we launch this guy. And again, if you text, I am badass to three, four, five, three, four, five, that's the easiest way to get into us. And then you have access to all the platforms and videos and trainings and fun, fun stuff. 
Yeah, I love it, man. If you're listening to this, I hope you guys take advantage of some of the stuff that some of these awesome guests are sharing with you totally for free. If I were you, I would definitely be texting 345345 and text I am badass to 345345. Get some free training from Andre. You've obviously heard that he is a total badass. So definitely pick up some of his trainings. Andre, thanks so much for coming to the show today, brother. I had a blast chatting with you. You are the man. Again, thank you for uh, popping my cherry as you said it. Uh, <laughs> in history as my first podcast interview. Yes. Thank you for uh, the opportunity and the blessing. Happy to have you, bro. Thank you, bro. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember to text I am badass. That's one word, not separate words. I am badass two, three, four, five, three, four, five to get a bunch of Andre's free trainings. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show. They're literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. My current mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha, is coming to an end. And my new one is starting up here in the next couple of months. And it's going to be just a game changer. So I can't say that much about it. But if it's something that interests you at all, in the meantime, while we're getting everything set up, just shoot an email over to me at travis at buildyournetwork.co. And let's talk about it. See if you might be a good fit for that group. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.